Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And this is actually a bonus episode, one of five that we're going to be doing over the course of really now through July, as we get a chance to talk with Julie Downing and other members of the NDE seed team about some of the work that they're doing with the educator effectiveness and the teaching and principal standards here in Nebraska. Uh, and so really looking forward to catching up about that. We've done a couple of podcasts in the past to so check those out, but we're going to get a little window into where that work stands today and joined by Julie Downing of ESU 13 and NDE is part of the seed team, uh, along with Kellen Conroy of ESU 1 and Brooke Cavan of ESU 7. And so I think the best place for us to start off, maybe Julie, will you tell us a little bit more about the seed team for those that maybe aren't familiar? Sure. So I'm Julie Downing. Um, like Andrew said, I work out at ESU 13. And for the last two years, I've used part of my contract time in partnership with NDE on the seed team, which is actually out of the Office of Educator Effectiveness. We're led by Dr. Kim Snyder. My job on the team is really the teacher supports and to kind of elevate that rural voice. We also have Ryan Rickenbaugh on our team. His job is the principal work of our team. He leads the Nebraska Leading and Learning Network. We're part of the bigger office of coordinated and district support under Shirley Vargas. So we are a very new team. We've only been together for about two years. Our work was born out of the update and revision of the Nebraska teacher and principal frameworks from 2011, which were rewritten, revised, updated in uh, April of 2020. What's nice about those is that in Nebraska, we have teacher and principal standards that are written for Nebraska educators by Nebraska educators. So the seed team comes to work every day and our job is to have integrity and be honorable to what our colleagues in Nebraska wrote as the standard for our profession. What's really different about this partnership with the ESU and the NDE together is that for a while, we've had a bold step at the ESUCC level about shared decision-making, and I'm a full partner on this team, and my job is to come every day and bring that ESU perspective, um, the perspective of my ESU in the rural side of the state. So, full background on the seed team. Yeah, and part of the ways in which that collaboration plays out in terms of reaching our actual districts and teachers uh, is through the great support from our staff development affiliate. And so Kellen Conroy is joining us again today. Uh, He did talk actually about SDA a few episodes back, but for people that maybe missed that episode, Kellen, as the chair of SDA, uh, can you give us just a a little bit of an explanation as to what that affiliate group is all about? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks again for the uh, opportunity to talk a little bit about SDA. It's always a great honor and opportunity and really appreciative when I get chances to talk about SDA and who we are and really communicate our purpose and our vision and the collaboration we have with educational partners across the state of Nebraska. And so uh, SDA is our staff development affiliate, and that's composed of all of those in ESUs that are responsible for providing and supporting professional development within their area districts. And so we might have professional development coordinators, teaching and learning specialists, staff development specialists, all of those titles are really included in our staff development affiliate. And one of the things that we're really proud of is the work that we've done in past years with really taking a look at our purpose, our vision, our mission, and our belief statements, and how all of those things really contribute to the work that we do together as a group, but also in the collaborative efforts that we have with our educational partners to support education in Nebraska. 
And really, when we think about the purpose of SDA, it's really to empower educators to really maximize the potential of all learners. And in order to do that, we have to build the capacity of our members through relevant and timely learning opportunities. And that's where opportunities like working with the seed team as, as an educational partner to make sure that we have the tools that we need to provide service and supports to our schools. And so we're very thankful for the opportunities that we have to work together. We're very thankful for the opportunities that we have to collaborate, not only within our, ourselves as the SDA with bringing different points of view from ESUs and learning new things, tools and strategies, but also the things we get to learn from our educational partners as well when we have those collaborative opportunities. And so the SDA, I'm really proud to be just one member one part of the SDA family, and it truly is a family. Uh, there's, there's so many great things going on with SDA. We could, we could have a whole podcast series on highlighting SDA. And so just appreciative to have the opportunity to kind of highlight who we are and what we're about and the things that we focus on. So thank you. Yeah, well, and I couldn't agree more. During my time in this role, it's just been so impressive to see all the amazing things that are going on across the ESU network. And I know coming from the classroom myself, the SDA conversations have just been really fun and fascinating and a lot of great people. So uh, those types of trainings actually took place, well, one of them on November 2nd, which was uh, that collaboration that we were referencing. I was in attendance for this as well, but for people that weren't there, Julie, can you speak to kind of the focus of that particular day's learning? Yeah, so this day was so much fun, but you know, it's also kind of daunting to stand up in front of colleagues at that level and, and teach. But uh, so the seed team's been around for a while, and we've been talking about the standards for a while. We released some materials called Sowing the Seeds about a year ago to kind of get people familiar and aware. And then Kellen and his team came and said, we want to know more. Can you put together some training in a day for us? So we really tried to do some really constructive learning and center our SDA colleagues to kind of build their own educator effectiveness lens. So we started with just kind of an overview of seed and, you know, we're from Nebraska, so we love a good agricultural analogy. So we have those sowing the seeds materials, which are literally just here are the new standards, get to know them, become familiar with them, see what the new shifts are in them. Then we have a phase we're calling tending to themes, which is really about analyzing and making data informed decisions. We want to transform systems and get to cultivating growth, which is where we really have things aligned to our Nebraska teacher and principal standards throughout a system so that we can finally reap that harvest of maximizing our teachers and principals. So we spent the day really working with our SDA folks to understand what are the things that are different about the seed process. The seed team is really keen to elevate what's the data about the teachers and what's the data about the principals and how does that inform our processes and our continuous improvement and MTSS and all of the work that, you know, our SDA people are so excellent at. Yeah, and I know on that particular day as well, uh, the conversation got to some of those doors uh, that SDA uh, opens in uh, their respective districts uh, across the state and the different hats that they wear when they walk through those, I guess, is maybe the, what I would add to it. And so with that, I guess, speak to that element of it as well, then, if you would. Yep, that's, uh, that is accurate right there, the mini hats, as you think about going through a, a typical day and 
a typical day might not exist. There's really no typical day when you're providing that support and service to schools because we really try to aim to provide that customized support just to schools. Not every school is going to need the same support in this area, this area, or this area. Or maybe there's an opportunity where we can we can have a team of three or four schools as a cohort work together on some things. And so having knowledge of things when we're getting ready to support schools is really critical and really important to making sure that we are providing the services and supports that it's going to move that school forward and that initiative that they that they're working on. So really that partnership and, and how can we cultivate that relationship so one of the things we talked about on November 2nd was being cognizant of the doors that we go through when we're invited to work with our partner schools. And when we when we think about that, the doors really mean like, for example, I might get called uh, to help support a school uh, through the continuous improvement processes. And that's how I'm entering that school that day is through that lens of continuous improvement. And as I think about that lens of continuous improvement, how does that work with what we're learning and moving forward with educator effectiveness? How do those two tie together? But I'm going into the school through the continuous improvement door, or I might be going into the school providing some content area support in maybe math, science, social studies, and what that looks like. How does the work with educator effectiveness all blend together through that door that we're going into? Or maybe schools are asking for support with their MTSS structures, processes, and protocols. Well, if that's the door that we're entering that district with that day or that series or that month or whatever time that might be, how do those things start to blend together through that door we've been invited in to provide that support to our partner schools? Gosh, in that way, a staff developer has to really be an expert or pretty darn close to it on a myriad of topics in education. And that's part of what makes the members of that group so impressive. Uh, And so at the same time, right, and just to kind of tease out that yes, there are all of these different initiatives, uh, but then within that, as you mentioned there, there's this educator effectiveness piece that is designed to be embedded within all of those conversations or come alongside all of those conversations. Uh, and so Julie, that makes sense then, right? Uh, why it would be great to reach out to this particular group to help move the work forward. Yeah, and we, we say on the C team all the time, none of this works unless we have effective teachers and principals, right? behind all of those doors are the people and we need to we need to help make them effective. And the great thing about ESUs is staff developers, yes, very skilled folks, but we also have a network of people behind us that are ESUs that are even more skilled in the things like special ed or MTSS or you know specialties in certain content areas so that you know, if I get invited through the door of high quality instructional materials and it's not quite my area of expertise, there's uh, lots of people behind me at my ESU and across the state that I can tap into through the networks that we have beyond the SDA. But that's the thing about ESUs is it's usually an invitation. We usually get invited in to do fill in the blank, like, like Helen said, and it's our job to really discern how do we support the educators and help them be effective in whatever door and arena that we're in that day. Yeah. And so to add to that, you kind of have a little bit of that like context piece too, right? The local context and the history of these various initiatives within a district. And that was something that was discussed on November 2nd as well. And so Julie, for those that weren't there, if you could frame a little bit of that portion of this conversation also. Yeah. So I think the true work of SEED is at the intersection of, you know, at least three things. It's at the intersection of how did I get invited in here? Like Kellen said, am I coming in to support their continuous improvement processes or am I coming in to support curriculum and instruction? How did I get invited in? And then, you know, what's the context of this district? Because we are a very varied state. We 
have a lot of differentiation across our state. We have small districts to very large districts. We have districts that have lots of seasoned teachers on staff and districts that have lots of new teachers on staff. So what's the context? What stance am I going to need to be in? And when I talk about stance, we use the work of cognitive coaching. And we have one of our colleagues that day help share what stance really means when we think about that going into a district. Well, and that's why we brought that colleague in to chat with us today on the podcast. And so Brooke Van is very well versed in that cognitive coaching piece and the stances that you have the opportunity to take, I guess, situationally. So I'm going to uh, throw this to Brooke now and say, can you kind of fill us in a little bit on some of the things that we have the chance to learn from you on that November 2nd training day? Yeah, well, I just wanted to thank you again for the opportunity. Like Kellen said, we love talking about what we do. Julie mentioned that when we're invited to a district, we come in through a specific door and we have to be really thoughtful about the culture and the context of that district and that building. Each building and district has different initiatives. They have complex communities. They have unique goals. And Julie mentioned, you know, as PD folks, we have to know a lot of stuff. And this is one of those times where all of that background knowledge helps us choose our intentions and then choose behaviors that match those intentions. And we have to be really conscious about how we show up and what stance we take when we show up. And like Julie said, that comes from cognitive coaching. And that kind of gives us a framework for how we can behave and how we show up for our district. So, and Andrew, I know you're going to dig this. Before I describe the four different stances, I just have to lay out an analogy having to do with basketball. I was a basketball player. And I, I remember thinking as a kid, if a coach would yell out, get in your defensive stance, right? That kind of meant one thing. Like I could even still now get in a typical defensive stance, but as I became a better, more knowledgeable, more nuanced basketball player, I used a lot of information to determine what kind of defensive stance I was in the time that's left in the game, the score of the game, the player I'm guarding, the caliber and the strengths of the other team. I know I'm in defense, but I use all of these different nuanced things as criteria to help me determine the best stance. And that's kind of what Julie's talking about here. So we talk about the door and the initiative and we're invited in. We talk about the context of the difference and all of this helps me determine my stance of which there are four. So stance number one, is the coaching stance. The goal here in coaching is that we would enhance the capacity for the person that we're coaching or the group that we're coaching or the building that we're coaching. We want them to become better planners, better reflectors, better problem resolvers, uh, better decision makers because of the conversation that we have with them as we coach them. Uh, we want to support them in making meaning of a situation that's very specific to them. We want them to be really self-directed. We want them to learn and we want them to self-generate a lot of their ideas and a lot of the meaning. And so in this stance, we ask a lot of questions. It's more about asking the right questions than maybe telling people what to do when we're in the coaching stance. Okay. And I want to like interrupt, I guess, very quickly and ask, maybe it's good too at the forefront of this to, to just name all four of these. So we have coaching, we have Mm, collaborating, okay. we have consulting, and we okay. have calibrating. So all the C's, coaching, collaborating, consulting, and calibrating. All right. And so then to speak to coaching specifically, and as you were talking, I, I couldn't help but think about my role even as a parent at home, 
right? Uh, yeah. So with my son, there are times when he has done something and I, and I know that he knows why he's in timeout or that he's been sent to his room. I'll walk in and lead with the question of why are you in here? <laughs> and, and start from that place of asking questions so he can kind of self-explore the series of decisions that led him to that consequence. Is that the same kind of approach that we're talking about here when it comes to coaching? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's spot on because what you're saying about your son is that if you were to ask him a few questions, he'd be able to self-generate. And as the conversation went on, he'd probably be able to have an aha without you really telling him, hey, that was a great choice or telling him that was a really terrible choice, actually. Right. And he would be able to make his own meaning. And your story about your son reminds me of, you know, just last week I was working with the district and the initiative, the door I was able to come through was continuous improvement. The administrative team had asked me to come and help kind of plan out some continuous improvement meetings and like really bolster up their action plan. And I knew the context of this district, they were in year two of their continuous improvement process. They had a really great goal. They had a good start on their action plan. They had a very healthy school improvement team, right? All of these context things. And so when I came in, I came in as a stance in coaching and I just asked a lot of questions. And at the end of the hour, the hour and a half, they're like, man, this is a really great meeting. And I think I, I maybe said like two statements. It was just all questions. So yeah, that parenting is, is so spot on. I'm curious to know, as we go through these others, if you'll continue to think about this through like the lens of a dad, right? So, so collaborating is our second stance and in the collaborating stance, it's more of a tennis match. If we were to stay with that analogy, we might offer something. And then the school offers something back. We offer another something they offer us something and there's shared idea generating, right? We are jointly, collaboratively, shared responsibility, shared problem solving, shared analyzing. Then we're doing all of that together and all the participants are contributing. So everyone testing shared ideas, everyone generating shared ideas, that's key in collaborating. Okay, so if we're going to maintain this, then as far as a collaborative conversation with my kiddos, uh, we recently decided that we were going to set aside 30 minutes before they go to bed at night for quiet time activities. They were not entirely thrilled about that. And I brought what I was <laughs> thinking would be a great approach to that time as did they. And we sat down the three of us uh, and had a conversation about generating a list. And so we wrote down all the different things that could take place during that time. Some of it was negotiated. Uh, we were trying to stay off of technology, but my daughter asked for an audiobook, for example, to listen to. And so through that back and forth, we arrived at what we felt like was a pretty comprehensive list of suggestions for them during that time. That would be in a collaborative endeavor, right? In the totally. way because like in a couple like check boxes that I'm listening for, you all were offering ideas. It wasn't just dad's idea, dad's idea, dad's idea. You were listening to each other, probably having some conversations back and forth. And then finally, uh, maybe the end result maybe wasn't what you would have really outlined completely, which means that it was a collaborative effort. Yes, perfect. Oh my gosh. Okay, so third, the third stance is consulting. In consulting, this is where we do some telling. This is where we do some, some shooting, if you will. So consulting can look a lot of different ways, but bottom line, if we've tried to ask a question through coaching, and it hasn't really landed well. And then we've tried a little bit of collaborating some back and forth. 
and it's not very equal back and forth, it might be possible that we just have to consult. We have to share information. We have to offer an idea. We maybe even need to offer a perspective. You could even like suggest an approach for improvement. A lot of times consulting, we're talking about policy development, procedures, maybe some curriculum things, effective practices. You know, you can't necessarily coach out of something if they have a lack of knowledge. And so we got to fill that gap and then we can maybe go back, can go back to coaching a little bit. So does that ring any bells for you, Andrew? Well, potentially as a parent, can I ask though, as someone who supports districts in this work quite a bit, it, at times consulting might be about helping to establish the why, but other times is it about giving strategies for the what? I mean, is it? Yeah, that's got me thinking a little bit because when you first said, you know, establishing the why, you know, the why, if that's like your engine and that's why you tick, to me, that's a lot more of a coaching conversation. I want to ask and ask and ask until you become more clear and you have clear meaning and direction. But the other part, the what about consulting, absolutely. Sometimes we just need the information. And then once we're informed, we can make some choices. So consulting, you know, again, going back to, to kind of what Kellen had said earlier, we want to maximize the potential of all of our teachers for the benefit of student learning. And sometimes teachers just need to know the information and then they can make informed choices. So that would really fall into consulting. I love that. And so then that leads us to our fourth of these, which is the... Yeah, so this is calibrating. So calibrating is a pretty specific support that we offer only when we have what we call a third point. So typically calibrating conversations happen when you have some kind of evaluative document or a policy in front of you that tells you exactly what the gold star is, tells you what the goal is. Uh, we don't get to pick, we just have to do the thing. So if we're talking about like a five-year accreditation visit, some of that's going to be calibrating. If we're talking about a teacher evaluation instrument, if we're talking about rule 10, those are going to be some calibrating conversations because we have a third point, we have a document that tells us the success, that tells us what we got to get to. And then we just spend time identifying some gaps, some problems, some potential solutions on the way to getting to that gold star. So calibrating is pretty different than the rest of the four. So now that I've kind of given an overview on all of them, um, it's important to know, and as PD people, it is important and it is desirable that we be in coaching as often as possible. That is where we find the most long-term growth and gain. And when we talk about seeing things through the lens of educator effectiveness, if I give a teacher or a district or an administrator feedback on one thing versus if I'm able to coach their thinking, if I can coach their thinking and stay in that coaching stance as much as possible, that's going to cause them to be self-directed learners, self-reflective, really robust decision makers. And that's where we get a lot of bang for our buck. So if there's ever a question, we know what initiative and what door we're walking in, but if there's ever a question about, gosh, I'm not exactly sure what stance I should be in, we want to start in coaching first, and then we can go from there if we need to. But coaching is where we have the most long-term effect for developing internal capacity and building capacity like Julie and Kellen have talked about. Wow, there's so much to consider when our staff developers enter into a building. When you think about 
not only what initiative you're there for, but the context and then the stance and the nuances of these stances and the potential need to oscillate between those like at different times in one or multiple visits has to be challenging, but, but a great part of the work too. And Julie, in hearing Brooke share that, where does that land for you? So to just kind of put a bow on that, as staff development professionals, we're always thinking about the intersection of the people, the seed work, the educator effective work. And, you know, we're considering everything that Brooke said in stance. Who do I need to be today? And what was my invitation today? What context and what content am I speaking about? And what district am I going to and who are they and how do I best serve them? So we know that it is complex and every district is different. And that's the beautiful thing about the work that we get to do every day. Well, I appreciate the opportunity for us to chat here. And I've just learned so much even from this brief conversation uh, and was hoping maybe as we bring this to a close. So what are our takeaways at this time? What, what message should uh, we leave people with ahead of what will be yeah, the, the next few parts of this series? So we're going to do a couple podcasts with Andrew here in a small series. One of the things we're working on is the evaluation instrument. We've got that in draft, and that's going to be coming to all of you soon. We have June conference coming up, and we're going to do a special podcast just about that, so you can hear what's going to happen there. Surely you'll see us at admin days, and um, we're looking forward to fall where we can get back out with schools and continue the good work of SEED. So stay tuned. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's what I have done. And so look forward to that bonus episode uh, coming up uh, in the not too distant future uh, to bring things to a close. Julie, Kellen, Brooke, thank you all so much for your time, for your advocacy, uh, and for all the great work that you do day in and day out on behalf of education in our state.